This sounds crazy, doesn't it? Blessed, happy, to, gra- to be congratulated are those who mourn. What in the world is Jesus talking about? I've had somebody even respond to this, this statement in Scripture, and they said, that's crazy talk. It sounds that way, doesn't it? Listen to this. Blessed are those who mourn. You see, what Jesus is getting ready to tell us, that he, he, he knew that we were going to be in a fallen world. Here we are well into a fallen culture that he says these things. Mourning is a gift from God. And I knew there wouldn't be an amen to that. But I'm going to prove to you what Jesus said. That's exactly what he meant. That he gives you this emotion, this ability to process things, to work through things, to grieve. And that grieving is a gift and a very large necessity of life in a fallen world. And I want to share that with you today. Today you come in and you have all kinds of problems and unbelievable things that are going on in your life. It may be job loss. It could be your own personal health. It could be a marriage. And, man, it's just ha- you're, you're having difficulties. It could be you're having problems with, with a kid. You could have problems with a parent. The other way around, if you're giving uh, ch- parent uh, care now in uh, that part of your life, uh, it could be the threat of losing your job. It could be that you have lost your job and you don't know where the next money to pay for your bills and so forth are coming from. But I want to share with you that God in this passage gives us a very necessary component to really experiencing a blessed life, a blessed life here upon the earth. Jesus said these eight attitudes will teach someone how to live a blessed, happy, a life that's worthy of being congratulated and even today, I'm going to use a story from Mary Clark's life uh, of how that happened in her life. And I'm going to tell a little bit of a story if you weren't at the funeral yesterday. If, if not, it, it's going to be a, if you were here yesterday, it's going to be a repeat, but it's worth the repeat, believe me. I promise you, it's a huge lesson that she passed on to all of us. I want you to look with me at the scriptures today, but before we do so, I want to say two things that are really, really important. These are factual, they are things and truths that God gave us, and it is the way it is. And you need to understand this because there is a a segment of Christianity that will say, you need to put on your happy face and be happy all the time. I'm going to give freedom to some of you to be unhappy. Really, Pastor? Really? Listen to this. Here's a reality. God doesn't expect you to be happy all the time. God doesn't expect you to be happy all the time. I didn't use the word joy. I didn't use the word inner peace. But I talked about happiness. And this passage says, happy are you to be congratulated. Blessed are you for those who do what? Mourn. Isn't that an amazing statement? Let me, let me go on record saying why I said God doesn't expect you to be happy all the time. Now, I'm a happy person. You 
got to smile back at me. I, I'm a happy guy. Have you figured that out? Man, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I know that. Nehemiah 8.10, that's, that's one of my great verses. I am a positive. I, I don't just believe that cup's half full. I believe it's about three quarters and about to tip over. I just believe that. I look at things in a very positive light. I think pastors should do that. We should be positive folks. I do believe that. But I'll tell you this. I do know that there's times that happiness has not been the emotion I felt. Let me give you biblical justification for what I'm talking about. In a fallen world, things are just not thing there's things that are not they're not happy. They're not they're not things to celebrate. They're awful. Terrorist attacks. Disasters around the world. Man, praise God that hurricane weakened and weakened and weakened. I just believe that was answered to prayer. I do. But it could have been so devastating coming into the Carolinas there. And I know, it, I know it's still flooding and it's, and, and it's going to be worse. But we need, uh, God doesn't expect you to be happy all the time. Let me share with you a scripture passage you need to note. Now, Solomon is the one that said this, and we know it's under inspiration of God. And Solomon, in these Proverbs, made observations and were told this about Solomon, that he was the wisest man that ever lived next to who? Next to Jesus Christ. God gave him wisdom as a gift. He asked for that. As a gift to lead Israel as a king, he asked God for the gift of wisdom. And it was profound what it did in his life. He was able to observe life and then apply wisdom to that. So in Proverbs, he tells you what his observations are. In Ecclesiastes, it's a little different because he's trying to tell you that if you leave God out of the equation, what does life have to offer you? And here's what the reality is. If you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, he says, There is a time for everything in a season, for every activity. And in the Hebrew language, that phrase, every activity, means everything we experience in life. All facets of life, all emotions, all realities that we have to live with, with sickness and death and all the rest, it's all included in that phrase in the Hebrew, the wording there. Listen to this. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under under heaven. And then jump down to verse 4 and read this. There is a time to weep. Did you hear hear that? There is a time to weep. There's a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And yes, I did say that at the church this morning. There is a time to dance. Amen? There is a time to dance. You don't want to see me dance. Kimma dances much better than I do. And we were watching a movie this weekend, and the pastor's wife was dancing. We saw that, and I thought, that's Kimma right there. Because she, she's got some, some moves. I'm, I don't. I would bring laughter to you. It would be a time for laughter is what it would be if I dance for you. Uh, that's, that's kind of our tune. She's, she's got the hip, cool thing going on with that. I got the weird funky thing going you know you would you would laugh you know I'm enjoying myself but you that's it anyway there's a time there's a time to dance and some some you know at a Baptist church you need to tell them that right you, you just, it's like well you can move your foot but don't don't pick up both of them well 
King David danced, amen? It's biblical to dance and celebrate. Listen to this. Life is full of a series of opposites. Have you experienced that? Life is full of a series of opposites. It doesn't mean that you enjoy that time in your life or that period or what you go through, but there, life is a series of opposites. What he's recording for us in Ecclesiastes, there's going to be times that you're high as a kite and you have the, this really mountaintop experience, and there's going to be other times that you're down in the valley and you're even going to have times of despair. But here's what mourning teaches us. Mourning was given to you by God as a healthy emotional process to deal with stuff in a fallen world. And nobody's going to amen that. I'm going to have to prove all of this to you this morning. Let me share with you what I'm talking about, okay? Here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that there's times that are for weeping. Have you noticed that when you're weeping, you don't feel like being real happy and laughing? If you do both, well, that's all I'm going to say. Sometimes the only appropriate response to what's going on is grief. In fact, the Bible tells us to grieve over our what? Our sin. Sometimes the Bible instructs us to grieve over conditions of a nation or the world. That's not a time that, that we're all happy. It's time that we're, 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 we're heavy-hearted, just like this storm. I, I'm praising the Lord that it's not as bad. I mean, my goodness, it was down to a Category 1 by the time it hit the coast. It's just moving so slow, it's drop, dropping so much rain. Uh, but grief is an absolute essential to this life that we live, and it's a gift from God. Grief is actually essential to even my health. Let me explain what Jesus meant. And I think you'll get this understanding and you'll be better for it. You really will. If you never grieve about anything, something's desperately wrong. Let me tell you the three alternatives here. If you never grieve about anything, this is one of three things that's true or maybe a combination about us when we don't grieve. Number one, you are out of touch with reality because there's a lot of stuff in this world that's that's worthy of being sad about, isn't there? Sure is. You're out of touch with reality. Second, you're out of touch with your emotions and you're living in denial. Third, you don't care about anything. There's some things that you should care about and be moved to sadness that something's going on. Listen, when I'm sitting in my counseling session with someone and they tell me that somebody's being abusive to them I don't feel happiness in that moment when someone tells me they've got a drug addiction and they're really really fighting and it's gone on and on and on I don't feel happiness in that moment you see I'm entering into this with them and grieving I want to share with you something because it's really important there are two unhealthy reactions to losses in life and that's what happens. We have change happen in our life, and it produces loss. And loss is difficult for most of us to deal with. Most people don't like change, and it's forced by losses in our life. It really is. Listen to this. An unhealthy reaction to losses in life, one is repression, and the other is suppression. Let me talk about the distinction here. Repression is when I 
unconsciously try to block a painful thought out of my mind. Suppression is literally when I very consciously block a thought. I can do that, but just like I had several people line up to talk to me after the first service, talking about the grief they've gone through and how they handled something one time, how they handled it differently in another, and one brother was telling me, I mean, he just, he told me, he said, I was, I was suppressing my grief. I wasn't processing it. I wasn't dealing with it. I wasn't being honest with my emotions. I wasn't doing that. Both are, are forms of denial. It's so important we acknowledge that. Uh, God doesn't want you to repress it. He doesn't want you to suppress it. Either one. He wants you to deal with it. The grief process, listen to me. The grief process starts with denial. It moves into even anger and genuine sorrow. And then there is some level of acceptance and adjustment and reacclimation back into a normal process of living. And here's what happens with grief. Grief is unkind to us at times, isn't it? You can't even trust it. One day you'll be angry and another day you're adjusting. And you bounce around in there, almost like a ping-pong ball. And it's a process that can be excruciating at times, isn't it? But it's still a process of emotions that God gives to you to process through what difficulties come your way in life. Let me share with you what I'm talking about. And I want to go to the scriptures. And here's one in Psalm 32, verse 3. It says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. You see, groaning's negative, but mourning is positive. Groaning is having a pity party. You ever been there? Man, when I was young, I used to have some pity parties. I, I really did. When I was a young pastor, you know one of the things I'd do? If I start feeling heavy-hearted and bad and just kind of having a pity party, I would go to the nursing home. You know why? Because I needed an attitude adjustment. Why? Because I was not looking at things in reality. I was looking at the moment. I was looking at my struggle, and I was not processing. I needed to see somebody that had something going on worse than I did. And when I did, it kind of brought me back to perspective of, wow. And have you ever gone to minister? In fact, there were times, literally when I was young, I'd go see somebody, and it wasn't the purest motive. I needed to go see them because I knew they were going to minister to me. And sometimes I went to go minister to somebody and I didn't minister to them. Uh, maybe I did, but I know I got ministered to. Have you ever had that happen? If you minister, you serve, it'll happen where somebody really ministers to you. It's a fringe benefit of ministry, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. Listen to this psalm, Psalm 39, verse 2 and 3. So I remained utterly, utterly silent, not even saying anything good. That's a very key phrase. My anguish increased, my heart grew hot within me while I meditated, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. See, we are creatures that are given to process. And mourning is a process, isn't it? It's a process. You start at one place, you may bounce around and be in different spots, but it's so important that you realize this is a gift to, of God in a fallen world to process things. Let me take you to the scriptures and show you this outline. And uh, here's your first fill-in right here. 
Here's how it works. This is what God does with a broken heart. God draws us close. Close is your fill-in there. Close is the fill-in. God draws you close to himself. Psalm 34, verse 18, listen to it. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now, when this happens in your life and you're brokenhearted or you're crushed and you're disappointed, you're not Sometimes you may feel like God's a million miles away, but that's not reality. God has said what in this passage? You have a promise from Almighty God. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of the emotions you're feeling at that moment, God is near to who? What did the Bible say? He's near to who? See, this is where reality has to come back to the forefront, and that's part of what mourning is. Can do for us. It brings us through the process of what we feel like and what we think and the heartache and the disappointment of it, and it brings you back to the place that you need to be. It brings you to the place where you can take your pain and then share that and use that for somebody else's gain in their life, where you can help them. Now watch this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You have it on the highest authority. It's the Lord. Here's a reality, too, that you need to always understand. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 5, incredible, incredible verse quoted from the Old Testament. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, is the promise of Almighty God. Did you hear that? When we enter a relationship with Him, it's an eternal relationship. When we know Jesus Christ, His Spirit takes residence up in us, And then we decide how much the Spirit is going to lead our life. God wants to fill us with His Spirit, right? He wants to dominate us and totally control our lives. And when we're under the Spirit's influence, it's amazing things that God can do with any one of us. Amen? But God tells us in this passage, He will never leave you or what? Have you ever felt forsaken by God? If you were honest, you would say, yep. I have. Is that true? It's not true. We have had our emotions speak to us like that numerous times, and sometimes you couldn't see, you couldn't feel God in those moments, but He's still there, isn't He? He's still there. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. Our hearts ache, but at the same time, we have the joy of the Lord. There is the contrast for Christians, right? See, there's times I may not be happy, 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 happy. I always have struggled with those Christians that they just want to paint a picture. I'm not going to let anything ever get to me, ever, ever, never, never. And I'm happy, 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 happy. That's not reality. And when you show that to somebody in this world, they're like, that person's not just Christian. They're crazy. They're crazy. God didn't build you so that you don't hurt and that you can just talk yourself out of feeling pain. There are times that we will grieve. You understand? You need to understand there's times you're going to hurt. You're going to grieve. You're going to not, you don't want this circumstance. You don't want this situation. And God gave you this mourning process to help you in a fallen world to deal with things. You understand that? 
He gave it to you as a gift. Really, Pastor? He did. Mourning is a gift from God because it helps you process and readjust to the losses that we have in our life. God made you a creature created by him with the ability to mourn. Wow. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Did you know that God grieves with us? You say, well, God's perfect. God, yeah, he's perfect. But I want to tell you the most amazing verse in the Bible is the shortest verse in the Bible, isn't it? Jesus did what? John eleven thirty five. Jesus did what? Jesus wept. That means he didn't show up at Lazarus' tomb and he's, he's <laughs> I'm happy, happy, happy. He didn't do that. He loved Lazarus. As a man, he loved him as a brother. And you remember Mary and Martha getting into that discussion with him? And one of them said, hey, if you'd have been here four days ago, he, he wouldn't have died. You could have healed him and he'd been all good. Jesus is standing there, I, I still got this. Because death bows to me as well. But here's Jesus knowing that he's going to raise Lazarus from the grave. But the Bible says that he wept. Why? Because there's a time and a season where that is an appropriate response for all of us. You follow me? Jesus wept. He didn't show up and go, happy, happy, happy. Watch this. Boom! Get up out of that grave! That comes in a minute. The first thing he did is he grieved as a human being like we do. He knows what it's like to be a physical human being and live with all the stuff we live with and he loved Lazarus. The Bible, raised, he raised up Lazarus from the dead. He knew he's going to do that, right? Did Jesus know he's going to do that? Well, why did he cry then? You see, that's a phony theology that says, oh, I'm going to be happy, happy, happy all the time. You follow me? It's not reality. See, our contrast is we have the joy of the Lord, even in our sorrow. Amen? God will give you your happiness back, right? This eight attitudes are telling you how to live a happy, blessed, to be congratulated life. He's telling you, Jesus is telling us, adopt these attitudes in life and you will be a happier person. You will be to a life that's to be congratulated. You will be a blessed individual. Isn't that amazing? Listen to this. God grieves with us. Uh, John, as I told you, John... 1135. Did you know that in the NIV text, that verse is tied for the shortest verse in the Bible? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says this. We, in, the, in the King James, it says, pray without what? Ceasing. In the NIV, it says, pray continually. Two words. So in the NIV, there, it's tied, okay, by the translation. But it took a really long second word, right? 
in John eleven thirty five, it's just Jesus. Let me blow your mind. Wept. Jesus wept. Why? Because that was the proper response in that moment. That's the proper emotional response when you suffer loss. You follow me? You see what Jesus is teaching us? He's teaching us that mourning is a gift from him in our fallen world to deal with the losses of life. And God tells us that he even grieves with us. Remember this about Jesus. It said this, 11, uh, uh, Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised, rejected by men, a man of suffering, a fam- familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their face. He was despised and was held in low esteem. Isn't that amazing that the creator of the universe and beyond what we've seen and what we haven't seen, the creator, the co- or tri-creator of the universe was despised by men when he came. Doesn't that blow you away? The creator, Christ, God, was rejected and looked upon lowly as a servant. He wept. He wept, folks, because somebody he loved had died and the physical physical life of Jesus, the emotions of loving this man and his family, he was brokenhearted about that. Listen to this. I want you to see this as well. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 2 and 3, it says Jesus, and I really believe this is speaking of Jesus. It says he, it's talking about God. He has sent me to comfort all who mourn, to grieve for those who, who mourn in Zion. Joy and gladness instead of grief and a song of praise instead of sorrow. Here's the wonderful thing about sorrow, grief, mourning. It's a process for us. We don't have to stay there. God works you through that grief process and then restores you to a place of being happy. And see, we can help someone do that in this Christian life as well. Listen to this truth. God uses grief to grow us. Let me tell you how he grows us. Here's how he grows us through grief. God uses grief to grow us, and here's three verses that will illustrate that for you. Number one, God uses pain to get our attention. God uses pain to get our attention. Have you ever been disobedient and your parents got a hold of you? Did it get your attention? It's a very natural process with parenting, isn't it? You may have to sit somebody in time out. You might have to do more. We found out that different disciplines with our four children worked more effectively than others. So we had some that one of them, if you put them in time out, that it was it was death. It was the worst punishment you can give them because you've shut down their social existence, and they just couldn't deal with it. They, I mean, they were like, "Oh, please, please, don't put me in time out, please." So that was very effective. That was very effective ministry in their life, discipline. C.S. Lewis wrote this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pain. Have you experienced that? Man, I love Easy Street, don't you? Man, I just love Easy Street. I'm hopping along, things, everything, my, my wife, that's all good. My, the church is all good and where I serve and staff's all good and then everything else my kids are all good and life is and I just love it when it's on easy street don't you 
it just feels so sweet and things are like you, you want them. And then somebody messes it up. You know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, Easy Street, it has some difficulties. It's got a hazardous turn on it. I have come to the reality that that's where I have grown the most. It was also C.S. Lewis that said this, pain is God's megaphone. Pain is God's megaphone. It shouts out to us. It's loud. It can really get, in, get our attention. Have you noticed that? We rarely change when we're on Easy Street. We like Easy Street. I admit it. I like Easy Street. Listen to this. The Bible says, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 30, listen to this biblical instruction. Blows and wounds scrub away evil, and beatings purge the inmost being. Wow. Did you hear that? When things are not like you want them to be, it can be an evil remover and a righteous exalter. Did you hear that? In our lives spiritually, it can also be that it purges away things that should not be in our most inner being. One of the things I've figured out about all of us, and I'm, I'm chief, I enjoy comfort. Anybody in here admit that? I like comfort. I do. The thing is, I'm not fully engaged like I need to be when I'm just on that easy street or just comfort. There are times that God makes me uncomfortable, and I have noticed in every one of those situations, He grows, buries Jude's heart, expands my mind, or He gives me revival where I'm back on track doing what I need to do. Listen to this. Second, He brings good out of bad. Did you know that that's part of what mourning, grieving, negative things in this fallen world produce for us? Romans eight twenty eight says this. And you know that in all things God works for his good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. The child of God that's living for Jesus Christ, what's going on with all the, see, all the junk of my life. Listen, go back to my childhood. My mom got married three times. Not any of those men were my biological father. I saw drunkenness. I saw physical abuse. I saw all kinds of stuff, but I'll tell you what, home was not a place of peace until I, my mom married a Christian man in her third marriage. Some of you know my testimony. I believe God was preparing Barry Jude, this little boy, for ministry in the 21st century where there's all kinds of family dysfunction. So I've had a great big heart for years now for blended families, families that are going through difficult times. It's just been a big, big thing for my heart. Why? I walked that as a child. I've never known that as a husband. In fact, when I watched that, it made me long for being a different kind of man. I'm like, God, I didn't even know God. I'm like, God, I don't ever want to live like that. I don't want to ever treat a woman and children like that. It, it, made, it was like a giant wake-up call for me. See, that was a negative that produced a positive. You follow me? Romans eight twenty eight. 
this negative worked out good in my life because I saw the other. I saw what that's like. I grew up with that. And man, you're talking about appreciating a Christian dad who adopted me and my little brother, Ernie Jude. That's where my, I, I was adopted by him when we all got married. We, all, we, we joke about that still to this day. You remember when we married dad? And he was my dad for 38 years. 38 years. Prayed for me every single time I stood up and preached. One of the things I miss about him the most is that that person has never been replaced in my life. I've got people that pray for me regularly. But he, he, pre, he wanted my schedule, everything I did, and every time I spoke, he wanted to stop what he was doing and lead, pray for me. That man did so many wonderful things in my life. But here's the bottom line. All of that made Barry Jude who he is now, not that I have arrived, believe me. Kimma can tell you there's still lots of things Barry Jude needs to improve on, right, honey? Yeah, yeah. I knew she would bite on that. God works out good things for you through all the junk that happens in your life, but you've got to cooperate and allow him to take that hurt and then turn it into ministry. That's a tough spot because you're taking your pain and then you're using it to help somebody else. Listen to this. Third, everything God does is preparing you for eternity. Did you know that, that God's at work making you more and more like his son? That's what he's doing. He's making you more and more like the son. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, listen to this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. For we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Did you hear that? You have the benefit of living for the Lord. Seen, we don't always see. But we look for the one who is building this great home for us. I tell you, that's what we do in our learning stages and in this school of life that we're in. We go through those stages. Fourth of all, notice this. God uses our pain to help others. Have you come to that? Pain is redemptive. There is such a thing as redemptive pain. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Redemptive as it helped you to learn how God can be faithful in the midst of that struggle. Now, number two, you're able to take that pain and use it to help someone else. Listen, when I'm talking to someone, if, if somebody's already been, they, they've gone through an abortion, the person that's been there and had an abortion that person's so much more effective than me talking to them. You know why? Because they've walked where they've walked. They've gone through what they've gone through. They've felt what they've felt. And God often will take someone that's gone through a loss like you heard Bill today. One of the things I realized about Bill Gamble a long time ago that gave you the testimony today is that he has suffered so much loss that God has given him a special ability to help people with grieving. I told him, I said, we need to have you teach a class on grieving sometime when we can work things out for, for you to do that. He's got a little distance driving, but maybe we can work that out someday. Listen to this. In the scriptures, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says, the Bible tells us, and this is so important for all of us, who comforts us with, in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So here's what happens. 
in the Christian life, if I cooperate, I grow, I work through my own mourning, my own grieving, and then I'm able to take that, share it with somebody else, and then I can take the comfort that God has given to me because He is the God of all comfort, but He calls upon the church, His Christians, to now do something with the comfort they've been given by Him. Take that comfort and now pass that comfort on to someone else. Use the comfort you've had to help someone else. It's all about helping each other on the journey, isn't it? And we share the comfort we've had and then we pass that on to somebody else so that we can help them. God doesn't waste these troubles in our life. He wants us to use them for His glory. He wants us to use them for His glory. Let me just end with this verse. Revelation chapter 21, no matter where you are today, and I'm going to just end with this. I had more to share. I got too much in this message. That's what's going on. But I'm going to end with this verse. I'm just going to go ahead and jump down and finish up. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. One of these days, heaven itself, eternal life, is going to wipe away every pain you've ever had. God is going to heal your heart from every heartache. Much of this life is about working through those processes and then taking the comfort that we've received and passing it on to somebody else so that we can help them for those who will relate to what we've been through. Let's bow our heads. Father, Grief in life equals a blessed life. This life is about change and it's about loss. We live in a fallen world. Lord, I thank you on behalf of all of us here that you gave us this gift of mourning. You gave us a process to work through things. And even though we bounce around in it, and it sometimes we seem to be back at point one, Lord, help us to work through our grief. And we realize the truth that you said that this does equal a blessed life. You're showing us how to handle things, how to deal with loss, how to deal with disappointment. Father, we thank you that you got it all and you're Lord over our lives. Teach us to live this out when disappointments and struggles and loss come knocking on our door. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.